Hi, my friends, and welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so glad that we found each other. For all you listeners that have been here from the beginning, thank you so much for your time. I have a special episode for you today. Her name is Elizabeth Lava. She is an author of a book called Stillness and Wilderness, A Bold Ride from Despair to Deep Wisdom and Love. She goes into a deep spiritual awakening within herself and she has had quite the incredible health journey from a car accident to being a Ironman triathlete and everything. I think you're going to find her story really, really absolutely inspiring. So um, let's get to it. Hello, my friends. I am Jenny Lynn, and this is my show. I am a wife and mom of two crazy kiddos. I have struggled many years with chronic illness and pain. I have a passion to find out as much as I can while navigating through life, not always feeling 100%. I have realized that having a positive mindset is a must in today's crazy world. You deserve to live this life showing up as your best self, and I can help you get there. If you've been feeling lost after becoming a mom, you're not alone. I know that incredible woman is still in there, just begging to be found. I am here to create a safe, non-judgmental space for like-minded women. Let's empower each other. I am so happy you're here. Now, let's jump into the 123 Mom Squad podcast with me, Jenny Lynn. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Jenny? I'm wonderful. The sun is shining here in Buffalo today, and we're supposed to have snow in a couple days. Can you believe that? <laughs> in April. It's crazy. End of, almost end of April. It's absolutely crazy. But um, let's get into it. So let me introduce Elizabeth Lava to the audience. Elizabeth is a former deadly disease investigator, community health leader, and veterinarian who has helped prepare for and respond to the pandemic. Elizabeth was pushed into spiritually transformative experiences that led her to powerful healers, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, Ayurveda, and spiritual practices of deep wisdom. Now she bridges the world as a transformational health and life and spiritual emergence coach, healthcare providers, veterinarians, and conscious leaders hire her to support them to return to wholeness through deep self-care or transition to a different career to find inner joy and peace. And now Elizabeth is here to share her journey with all of us. So Elizabeth, tell us about your journey and everything that that you do now, enlighten us. Well, my journey has been uh, very uh, diverse to say the least. That's why the bio is uh, tries to capture that. Um, where I am now is uh, on the other side of what's called a spiritual emergence, which turned into emergency. It's a really dramatic spiritual awakening. And so I was really transformed in mind, body, and spirit. And now I am very obsessed about helping others find balance in their daily life in body, mind, and spirit. Um, Cause I think we're all striving for that. And so uh, I was led to a lot of wisdom during my awakening, both um, through personal experiences, people I've met, things I've read, trainings I've taken, and then um, really being shaped by some of the best um, teachers in the world. So um, my journey, I actually wrote a book about 
two years of my life. That was a few years ago. And that shows the first part of my, uh, spiritual awakening. Um, what's not in the book is, uh, where I am now in terms of last two and a half years has actually included quite a bit of chronic pain. And that was one reason why I think we, you and I connected. Right. Definitely chronic pain. I think a lot of my audience has a lot of chronic pain, daily issues, daily struggles, along with chronic illness. And I think it's interesting that you wanted to interview me about it because, um, I've been pretty private about it. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're a health life and spiritual coach, you're not going to want to talk about your problems. This is not what you're there for. You're there to serve everybody else. But I do notice that I've had um, a couple of clients who have some chronic pain issues, very similar to mine. And by having the lived experience and growing through that and on my own healing journey, I'm able to support them both in mind, body, and spirit, even though it's mostly body, it affects you in your mind and your spirit. And so even though I am touted as a thought leader on the intertwining of uh, the mental health and spirituality, the interesting thing is if you're not healthy in your body, it's really hard to be healthy in mind and spirit. It's so intertwined. Um, Yep. Yeah. So and I just love Jenny, how you have a passion about making sure that people realize they are, should not, shall not be defined by any kind of illness. It's the, the labels associated with it. Um, how you, your mindset, um, how you can give and love, um, through your life, even though you are faced with physical challenges. And so I'm happy to talk about that aspect and wasn't planning on it, but here, here we are. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing yourself to share your journey with us, because I think a lot of times people can connect with you based on what your story is and what your history was, and they can relate a little bit better. I'm an open book. You know, I'll let everybody know what's kind of been going on in my life and hopefully they can relate to it. And if they do that, I got past it and through it, um, And so, you know, and so can they, and I don't want them to feel defined by their illnesses or anything that they're going through. And it's, there's so much more to life than just what's written on paper, whether or not it's a diagnosis from your doctor or just how you feel every day. We have, you know, we can live life so much better, even if our mind is just set in the right, in the right place. For sure. So, um, let's see. So where to start my journey related to, uh, mm-hmm. chronic illness. Um, so I, uh, during my awakening, I was told by a couple of very wise people that I was exercising too much and which I, I really was, I was, um, an Ironman athlete or I had for 25 years, I've been doing triathlon. I think I started doing Ironman's about 10 years after starting triathlon. And I always thought like running a marathon was crazy. And my body didn't really like running that much, even though I did like going out for a few mile jog or whatever, but on dirt roads and soft surfaces. Um, and one thing led to another, um, where I ended up starting an iron doing iron distance events. And that's because I was in a marriage where my significant other wanted to do Ironmans. <laughs> and I did one and I did really well. Like, I mean, I podiumed and I, I did nice. an Ironman unless, yeah, but it was uh, not without a cost <laughs> to the body though, you know, and yeah. I didn't really realize just how much I was damaging my body. I mean, it's great to exercise mm-hmm. in a balanced way, but doing iron distance triathlons is not balanced. Um, I actually ended up in the hospital after that first Ironman. So even though I broke 11 hours, which was my personal record, um, and was, you know, 
running alongside of, you know, elite athletes. Um, my body told me it was really shut down afterwards. I was in the hospital due to hyponatremia. So anyway, so I, um, and the way I was led into triathlon was, um, as a little girl, I loved dancing (laughs) and I was actually, um, born quite deformed where I, my legs were so turned in when I was born, they thought I was deformed and there was this constant effort to rotate my legs outwards. Um, like when I was in second grade, when my legs were hanging off the chair, they weren't, my toes were not only touching, they were pointed backwards somewhat. Um, so yeah, so my, my family let me take ballet classes, even though my siblings weren't allowed to, cause we all just had this innate wanting to dance. And, um, but <laughs> I, I was allowed to, and, um, then I injured myself when I was 16 years old. Um, uh, I was, uh, in a fine arts high school, um, attempting to become a professional ballerina. Um, and I was touring with companies and, um, there was a lot of effort in trying to get me so turned out that I was doing things that was unhealthy for my lower spine. And, uh, I did a, what's called a cliche split jeté and I heard something pop and I was 16 years old and <laughs> I couldn't stand up straight after that, after that, that moment. And, uh, it was so painful. I had to drop out of the fine arts high school. And I, um, mm. when I went to a regular high school, uh, for my junior year, I, asked my doctor, I'm like, I can't just stop movement cold Turkey. I need to keep doing something. And he's like, why don't you try swimming and, and buy a bicycle? So that's what I did. I joined the swim team, loved it, loved cycling. And then when I went out to college and see Boulder, my sister used to be a triathlete. She called me and she said, you're the Mecca of triathlon. Why don't you try running? And then you could do triathlon. And I'm like, I don't know about running, you know? Well, I tried yeah. it. I actually wasn't that bad at running. Not, not my favorite. And, um, but I ended up doing triathlon and that was really my mind, body, and spiritual practice was doing extreme physical activity in nature. And I loved it so much and it was very healthy, but I definitely was doing it in an unbalanced way. Um, and I had a car accident when I was 19, 20 years old. And, um, that did actually some nerve damage to my upper spine. I have something called parascapular nerve palsy, which are the infraspinatus and supraspinatus, which are the muscles above and below, um, your, your spinous process that kind of comes off your scapula, your shoulder blade, those are just atrophied. So it's kind of like, I have a torn rotator cuff on that side, but the side impact, um, I can't believe I survived when I saw the car afterwards, cause I was unconscious afterwards. I don't remember the accident. I looked at my car and I was like, how the hell did I live through that? Uh, and, um, so I have a lot of arthritis in my upper spine there. So when I came off the bike, I noticed it was hard for me to stand up straight and I had some back problems, but I kept doing, um, core work and Pilates and all these things. Um, so during my awakening, I felt guilty about how much exercise I was doing. And I'm like, yeah, it's out of balance. I need to meditate more. Um, I need to, uh, rest more. Well, I meditated so much and rested so much and dropped so much of my physical activity and my spine pain was worse than ever. And it was so bad. So I kept going to massage hmm. therapist, massage therapist. And I noticed I was getting weak. I'm like, I don't know, like not just hmm. normal level of weakness for someone who backs off in the exercise. And I went to my primary care doctor and he didn't, um, he's like, Oh, well, I'll send you this osteopath. He can do a more extensive evaluation on you. And, um, sounds like your spine needs to get in uh, alignment. And I was seeing chiropractors and finally ended up in the hands of uh, a quote, medical massage therapist. (laughs) 
And when he hmm. asked me, tell, when I, when he asked me, tell me your story, he was furious. And I go, what? And he goes, have you not been evaluated? And I go, yeah, I, I tried telling the story and he goes, lay down. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so wow. he wanted me to lay on my stomach on his table. And right before I lay down, I saw a map of dermatones. And since I'm a former veterinarian, I, I knew right away when I saw that this is not your average massage therapist. In fact, I don't think he's a massage therapist. And, all, yeah. um, yeah. And he ran his pin down the back of my left leg. It was numb. That's how unaware I was, what was going on with my spine. And so I stood back up. I just was like, I sat back up. I, my tad tear rolling down my face going, Oh my God. And he goes, Elizabeth in a thick Russian accent, I am not touching you until you go get an MRI. You hear me? And I was like, I can't do a Russian accent very well. I tend to do German ones since my parents are Germany. But, but I was like, what? Uh, I need an MRI. And he holds up, you know, his little spine um, uh, figure, you know, his little the mannequin uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. The mannequin thing. And he's like pointing with a pin at all my inner vertebral discs. And, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, are you telling me I've got a, like a damaged vertebrae or what? And he's just, he's just shaking his head and like, so after a few sessions, so he, I got the MRI and, um, I ended up in the hands of a spinal rehab specialist and going back to see this man from Russia after about four or five sessions of him manipulating me doing massage and adjustments and all this stuff. I looked at what I said are you a former spinal surgeon? And he goes, yes. And I was like, are you doing this to prevent people from having to have unnecessary surgery? Well, of course. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Wow. So the spinal rehab specialists are like, uh, they looked at my, ex, my X-ray and my MRI and they showed anterolisthesis, which is where your spine is sliding forward. Um, it's not alignment anymore. And so wow. basically, uh, and a bunch of other things wrong with my spine, but that was the main thing. And they said, if you, we're going to send you to physical therapy. And if it doesn't, your pain doesn't come down and your function doesn't improve. We're going to recommend fusing your spine. So I'm Yikes. asking about the surgery and I'm like, what, what is it? What, what about, what does this mean for me? And they yeah. said, well, we would just fuse it at one spot, but you'll be down and out for like six months. And they don't use the word down and out. That's my phrase. <laughs> like, you're going to be in a recovery. But you will be, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to walk again for quite a while, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, basically at that point I was actually sort of trapped in a state where I didn't even have health insurance. And I was paying out of pocket for the MRI and all the doctors and physical therapy appointments because I, I was on the affordable care act plan. And they actually told me, do not get in your car and drive. And I was living out of my van at the time. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm in a house now, but anyway, so I, um, when I got back to Colorado, I just really dove into physical therapy as much as I could. I got an inversion table, which mine is awesome. I hang down from my hips. Um, I have a partner now and he's an expert in Reiki and that's nice. a form okay. of healing energy. And that's crazy how much that helps me. <laughs> I'm such a left brain scientist. I had kind of thought Reiki was not a real thing. And now I'm the recipient of yeah. it and it's amazing. Um, so uh, now I'm at the point where I have most of my strength back on my left side. My pain is no longer an eight to nine each day. I couldn't stand or sit for more than 20 minutes at a time before. And now I can sit for a couple hours, but I need to move in order to not be in a lot of pain later in the day. I yeah. need to take lots of breaks. Um, I still might need to get my back fused, but I, I don't need to with any immediacy like there was before. Um, and I'm going to a chronic um, pain specialist at the Stedman Clinic. Um, it's a very famous clinic in Colorado. Um, in May. And I'm 
going to see what else I can do with him to either not have to have surgery or postpone it long enough to where the technology comes quite a, quite a, a long ways. Um, the problem about getting your spine fused is that, okay, so where that part where your spine is fused, you're much, you're stable there and the pain associated that spot goes away, but then that stiffness at that spot, then the rest of the juncture between your vertebrae above and below now are going to start moving more. And you mm -hmm. may need to have that fuse then later. I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> it's like a domino effect. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's scary. So, so I have two friends that are about my age that had their spine fused because of enterocesis at the same spot. And so I'm watching their mm -hmm. healing journey. And I was told by my physical therapist, be cautious on watching their journey and where they are. I said, why? And he said, well, the first couple of months, they're going to be so much better pain-free after the initial healing of the cutting and all that of surgery and the nerves starting to grow back. And he said, in a few years, they may not, they may actually have to have the rest, other parts of their spine fused because of that initial fusion. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I really want to wait to see how far, because te technology is in terms of the spine, I mean, already now the spine fusions are so much lower in terms of minimally invasive and the recovery time is much faster, but uh, long-term in terms of healing, I want to see that before I actually go get surgery. So I'm so thankful. I have to yeah. be very careful each day, but there's lots of other things I do. So I'd love to talk about the spiritual side of my healing. Is that okay? With absolutely. You? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to circle back just, just a minute. Mm -hmm. okay. sure. You said a couple of your friends have this interior stenith. Say, say that. How do you say that? Enterolesthesis. It's uh, entero oh, meaning kind of sliding forward. Uh, lesthesis. Uh -huh. Is that something that could be, I don't want to say common, but um, is that something that you can get just as you age? If you have like arthritis in your body, is that Great question. So, um, I don't know about those two women's journey and other people's with enterolisthesis. I just know that, um, one of the aha moments was when I was looking at my MRI and my x-rays are like, you have scoliosis I'm like, 23 okay. years old. And I'm just now learning that I have scoliosis. So what happens is the side, when you have a curvature in the spine, those facet joints, those are the little, where the bony protuberances on the side of each vertebrae come together. That actually helps really hold your whole spine together. Each one of those joints do so it's on either side of the vertebrae. So they get kind of banged together on the side where it's curving inward sideways, basically. And so, um, that point at L4 and L5, where my facet joints bang together, there's so much arthritis that you can't even see the joint space anymore. And so there's a, uh, it's not smooth there anymore. So all of that inflammation from, uh, the arthritis has caused bone spurs and it just doesn't want to stay aligned anymore. Oh. So it pushes the spine out of alignment. I don't know other people's journey. I think it's pretty similar where they have either a malformation, which basically my whole spine was malformed. It shouldn't be right. a big curve from side to side. It should, we all have a natural curve to our spine, but it goes yeah. front to back, right? There should not be much of a curve from side to side other than when you want it to. And mine is yeah. just, you know, fixed sideways and in different ways it undulates. And so mine's not that bad, but it's enough. And I think the car accident when I was young, when I was 19 years old, um, probably impacted the parts of my spine on the sides that were already touching where the accident just smashed them really hard together. So that accident, and I knew it, I knew it when I was like 20 years old and I woke up in the hospital, I was like, <laughs> I just knew I was gonna be paying for it later. I just know how that works. You know, when we have an accident, um, that's pretty severe. 
Um, yeah, we're hurting quite a bit after that. And then we have a healing stage. And then later in life, you tend to have arthritis and Im implications from that accident earlier in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and having chronic pain in your spine is something that, um, can just completely be my numbing pain. So since we're both coaches, I wanted to share this little Gosh. story about having pain and then interacting with a client. So, oh, sure. So I'm just being diagnosed with all the stuff with my spine, you know, and I'm talking to this, this client that I've actually known for a really long time and I'm asking him how he's doing. And so I was like, so how's your pain on a scale of one to 10, like today? And he's telling me, oh, it's like a two. I was like, okay, so how's it from day to day? You know, cause I know he's had severe, severe pain in the past and it's really affected mm -hmm. his mind and his soul tremendously. And he's like, well, I'll have a day occasionally on three, rarely, a, merely a one, but I'm pretty much at a two now. And I went, oh. And I'm like, oh my God, what is my pain on the scale of one to 10? Like, <laughs> it's like an eight and a half today. And, oh and I, it made me realize how much I needed to do deeper self-care. Yes. And, um, I, and so it was so wild coaching someone through that. And then being able to support my client through mindset around that, I actually then applied to myself. I'm like, I am not this body. It's a beautiful temple for my, my soul. It's temporary but I came from a very German stoic family. So a friend of mine joked with me, like I did too. I came from a stupid German stoicism where you just like transcend the pain so much that you're not really listening to your body. And so that's what was getting me into trouble was that I just kept mm. doing what I was doing before and not pausing to do deep self-care. So that yes. wasn't another epiphany um, by interacting with clients and friends. Um, and then knowing that, you know, what the status of your body is can affect your mind, your spirit. So I have a client who's really struggling with depression because of spine pain. And I've had moments like that too, because in my spiritual path, we talk about the unlimited soul, unlimited soul. And it's really hard to feel unlimited when you're either in chronic you're or severe pain, pain. <laughs> right? So, um, so again and again, uh, friends of mine on my spiritual path are like, are you, are you using the scientific, um, healing affirmations? And, uh, my teacher is Yogananda. And so I have a little orange booklet, um, that, and I have it by my bedside <laughs> and I need to be doing it every day. So when you come out of meditation is a great time to both introspect and do affirmations. And so one of the affirmations that I love that I should be doing every day is, um, we basically close our eyes and we look, we look towards our forehead. And one of the affirmations is, I think my life to flow. I know my life to flow from brain to all my body to flow. Streaks of light do shoot through my tissue root. The flood of life in vertebrae doth rush through spine in froth and spray. The little cells are drinking, their tiny mouths are, sh are shining, all are shining. The little cells all are drinking, their tiny mouths all are shining. So it's, uh, and wow. I, visual I visualize when I'm looking at my, my third eye, I visualize uh, light coming in, going down my spine into the place where my spine is unhealthy and, and that light healing my spine. Wow. I had heard this five years ago before my awakening. I was like, yeah, ladies off the, off the rocker, uh, you know, cause I'm such <laughs> a brain scientist, but there definitely is a uh, um, huge power in connecting with your spiritual practice to heal you in mind and body. 
and you out need to be balanced in body and mind to advance spiritually. So, um, that's been my, so that's been my added practice, which I actually need to do daily, which I have not been, which I, I need to. And so I, I'll be teaching, uh, meditation and, um, at a yoga festival coming up. And, and one of the things I'm going to do at the end is pick an affirmation for everyone to repeat out loud, then softly, then in a whisper, then internally, silently again and again and again, whatever it is they need to work on. So I'll just kind of read the crowd and pick an affirmation. So the scientific healing beautiful. affirmations are really beautiful for healing both in bi- body, mind, and spirit. I uh, couldn't agree more with that. I think like this whole new spirit, spiritual part of healing your, your mind um, to heal your body has become something that is different for people that is not medical because we're always turned to doctors and nurses and all the people that have the the fancy letters after their name. But sometimes it's really just talking to yourself. I think a lot now what I listen to is um, people say like woo woo air quotes, like, (laughs) and, and a few years ago you had mentioned like Reiki and, you know, all this crystals and whatnot and all these different types of healing. But, but I think people, that don't necessarily want to take the time to work on themselves, just want a magic pill and to be like, just give me the magic happy pill. That's just going to make me happy and pain-free all day without having to do all of the other things. And it, it is mindset. It is looking into yourself and finding, you know, being spiritual or faith or however you want to look at it, but you know, to the power of your own, healing that you have, you have the power to really heal your soul from the inside out. And, um, I have definitely taken on more of, of those modalities as these years have come up. And, um, and that's why I'm sitting here because it's been the only thing that's kept me going and staying positive through all this stuff that's happening around us in this crazy world that we now live in. Um, and I think it's absolutely fascinating and um, inspiring. And I love to hear all these other healing journeys that everybody's going through and it. And it all stems from a positive mindset and healing yourself and finding a way that works for you. It's beautiful, Jenny. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the th- other uh, parts of wisdom I was led to is Ayurveda. You mentioned it in the beginning, um, which is a holistic health <clears throat> system that's really based on the Vedas and the Vedas is um, means truth. It's based on the scriptures and it's a very holistic way of living. And I, I think, um, yeah, the whole part about taking a pill to fix things is actually described in my book where um, I went backing up from the mind, from the body and going to the mind you know, in my book, I describe my, um, leadership of a federally funded mental health grant, um, that was from the centers for Medicare and Medicaid. It was designed to integrate mental health services into primary care and to reduce stigma around, um, mental illness, mental challenges, um, by, uh, basically encouraging the public to take mental health first aid. So we have first aid for the body. There's actually a first aid you can take for, for mental health. And it's it's the same similar concept that you're providing initial aid in a way so that you're saying things that are supportive, you're listening, you're not going to say anything damaging, (laughs) 
right. and hopefully get the, the, the loved one friend or someone that is somehow comes into your, into the, your moment, uh, of life where you recognize they need assistance to get them into the in professional hands. So just like calling nine one one, you're doing CPR or first aid until, until our professionals get there. So I was promoting that and, um, I was pushing myself so hard because I, and I will talk about this, my my constitution, dosha, prakriti, depending on how you say it, was pitta, was very fiery, push, 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 doing, overdoing all the time. And um, so I did that in my profession. So I'm the health department director. And then I decided to take on, instead of just physical health, I'm taking on the mental health because I'm telling my colleagues, they're all intertwined. Right. So I'm pushing so hard on that. And then I have a substance use prevention grant for children. Um, and it was through a um, marijuana, state marijuana tax fund. So I'm I'm adding those two into running the health department, which is more addressing the physical side. And I'm pushing myself so hard that I come home. So I was stressed out. I wouldn't get angry at my partner, but I just was like, not in a good mood. I was so stressed. You know, I still never said an ill word towards him or anything, but I would talk about work too much and stress. So he had enough. He left my life. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> just lost oh, no. the most important person in my life. And it was so upsetting um, that I, uh, had a, I have a very strong inner critic. And so I spun into deep clinical depression because I kept shredding myself inside about all the things I did, said and did wrong and how I had lost um, my favorite person in my life. And I couldn't get out of it. And it's crazy. So I, through that mental health grant, I was um, basically using some of the resources that I brought into the community, like employee assistance program, where if you're employed, uh, they, pro- your, hopefully your employer will provide a program where they pay for you to go to some mental health counseling, a few sessions if needed. So there I was <laughs> in those <laughs> sessions and they wanted, uh, both, uh, the, both my primary care provider and the mental health professional was, was encouraging me to go on antidepressants more, my primary care provider and actually my OBGYN than the mental health professional. But, um, so I, I, I got the prescription and I got home and I'm like looking at the label and I was, I had signed up for a half Ironman, which I love that distance. And I'm like looking at the back of the label. And I'm like, okay, wow. Well, first of all, there's stomach issues and I already have enough stomach issues. I don't want to take this and not be able to do a triathlon. Cause that's part of what's important to me. And then I'm looking at the withdrawal symptoms and there's just exactly what I was already going through. I'm like, this is just postponing what I'm already going through. And I'm like, there's gotta be another way. I look right. in the mirror and I went, oh, this is not a coincidence. I'm in the middle. And this is like one of the most painful things. Like, okay, <laughs> we talked about spine pain, but depression, like I, my whole body was hurting. I could, I could barely sleep at night. It was one of the most painful things I've ever been through. And it was all wow. in my mind. Yeah. So I was like, there's gotta be another way. So of course there's certain people that I met that, you know, I kind of got into like, what is this mindfulness stuff? So I went to the library and I started checking out books about mindfulness and meditation. And I, so I was starting what's called a spiritual emergence. So I was starting to explore spiritually and I had no idea that's what I was doing. (laughs) I just knew that what left brain scientists were pushing on me was either not working for me or not right for me. And so I started practicing being fully present and meditating, and I ended up having a profound spiritual awakening. And um, through that spiritual awakening, I was led to a very ancient form of meditation. And I meditate every day. And it's so incredibly healing, calming, and empowering, but I was doing it so much 
that my spine started slipping out of alignment more. And I didn't know my spine, right. That I had scoliosis. I didn't know I had interlocutors. I didn't know any of that. And so it just made it worse. And, and I felt, again, I felt internal critic. I was feeling guilty about exercising. So I just really wasn't exercising very much. Well, it turns out there was some innate wisdom within my body that knew that I needed to exercise a certain amount in order to help keep my spine aligned. So now I'm going back to somewhat of what I was before, just not as extreme. I'm not doing Ironmans anymore, but I'm still much more active than I was while I was basically pretty much living like a nun. I was living in the mountains all by myself, just meditating for hours and hours and hours, reading scriptures, you know, and there goes my body. So Ayurveda, the interesting thing is, is that, um, by becoming more balanced and not having, um, uh, a dosha imbalance and mine was pitta. And so there's vata and kapha and your listeners are welcome to reach it, get in touch with me or any Ayurveda practitioner to understand that better. But then I was able to, uh, recognize my unhealthy patterns about just basic things, you know, like what time am I going to bed? Am I going to bed at the same time and getting up early and just yes. super basic. But then there's things like, what are you eating? Is it causing your imbalance to get even worse? And so I knew I then was educated on what foods I needed to avoid and what foods I should gravitate to. I learned about pranayama, um, certain breath work that is appropriate for my constitution. And, and the other is certain yoga poses that are better for me. And that helps me get so centered as well that then I'm able to meditate more deeply, but I still had to go back to some of my old physical practices outside of I'd already been practicing yoga for 20 years as well, teaching for 10, but I had to be led to a deep form of both meditation, Ayurveda to then really come into wholeness. And so, uh, and then of course the healing affirmations were part of it. So hopefully that explains the whole, my experience with being prescribed a pill and having to turn to deep Eastern wisdom of, uh, uh, not only meditation, but some scientific healing affirmations and other practices I do. You know, ain't that fascinating though? You almost reach a certain point in your life where you're like, something has to change. Something, something isn't right. I think like mine was, I, I, I turned 42 last September mm. and me reaching upwards into my forties a few years ago kind of made me think, okay, I'm, I'm getting there to that whole midlife crisis when people, you know, and you're like, is something supposed to crazy happen to me? Like, am I supposed to do like jump out of a plane or get more tattoos? And you're like, is something going to happen to me? But I just realized that everything that I've been through since being a kid mentally, or I should say more with my health um, challenges has really put me in a place of where I don't want my children to see me suffering every day. And I kind of was just like, like I was just unhappy. I was just unhappy with who I was. I was very stressed all the time, taking things internally. I, I think it's, you know, I mean, being a mom, being a woman, you know, there's just so many things that we have to do on a daily basis. And there are so many tabs open in our brains all the time. And I'm, I'm a perfectionist and there was just too much going on. And I, I didn't want to be that person around my kids anymore. And being a stay at home mom, they seen me do everything, but I, I wanted to take time to sit on the floor and play with my kids and do that without 
going, okay, my back hurts or moaning, you know, to get up and dear God, I haven't reached, you know, hadn't reached 40 yet. And here I am moaning and I can't, you know, move. <laughs> um, but something just kind of like flipped the switch where I was just done feeling like that. And the only thing I had known was going to all these different specialists and going to all these different doctors. And I started looking for alternatives. You have to believe that there is something else out there that may help you get into a better place. And um, while it's not for everybody, but I think that unless you say, well, I've tried that and I've done it, you're never going to know, you know, I mean, even when it comes to meditation and uh, stretching yoga, I'm, I'm definitely doing more stretching nowadays. And I think that that's very important to keep your body like moving just as you need oxygen for your heart to beat and your lungs to breathe. I think that your muscles need the blood flow and they need to move. Otherwise they're, they're just not going to, they're going to stop. So stretch your body and move and breathe into these movements and believe that there's something else out there than paying a $25 copay every time you got to go see a doctor to tell you, yeah, you should probably be put on a, a anti-anxiety medication because your numbers look like you're a little stressed today. You just want people to be more aware that there's other modalities out there to mm -hmm. feel better, mm -hmm. but do it and believe in it and don't try it once or twice and be like, well, that didn't help me. You got to be consistent. Like with anything else, with any other practice, consistency is key. You have mm -hmm. to continue to do these things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and to believe, to believe that they can help you. So don't, don't give up. For sure. For sure. So you brought up exactly. two thoughts uh, uh, of mine. One is, um, so I come from a family of doctors and nurses um, that are very Western medicine and, um, and I've worked in their, in their clinics, in their offices, and uh, I've seen how much they're pushed by insurance and how they have to see patients so briefly um, mm -hmm. before they run off to the next one, because there's not enough doctors, um, there's not enough uh, family nurse practitioners, there's not enough physician assistants and insurance doesn't pay reimburse enough for them to, to spend more time with each patient. So they're doing the best they can. And, and one thing through working through public health for 20 years, because I, since I was a health department uh, director and in, in working at state level is that learning about behavior change is really difficult. So um, that behavior change doesn't happen through a brief conversation with your physician. And so health insurances yeah. and doctor's offices are, are recognizing that and they're starting to, to hire health coaches in order to have those longer time with someone who then talks to you. And so like I've been trained in motivation, motivational interviewing, which is figuring out what's your readiness, your stage of readiness for change. If they're not, if they're just not in the spectrum where they're ready to change, it needs to come from them internally, but sometimes they're at a stage where they just need a little nudge and then you help them with their behavior change. And it mm -hmm. usually takes months to have a, a new habit form. And so I'm becoming national board certified through the same organization that nationally board certifies physicians so that physicians will know that I'm the real deal. <laughs> I've been well-trained in doing that. And, um, once I get sort of, and I'm going to sit for those boards, even though I became a health coach about three and a half years ago, I'm going to finally just go ahead and get the national boards, um, so that I can awesome. either work at an integrative health clinic. Yeah. Or work for a health coaching company remotely. So that's my goal. And so, cause I just know how hard it is. And in public health, we try to change population, population health by looking instead of just each individual is shaping the community to make it easier for them to make healthy choices and more difficult for them to make unhealthy choices. And so I've been on that side and it, 
and then the other piece um, about moving that you said is really funny for me because um, in my personal experience, so I go to physical, my first physical therapy appointment after a spinal rehab specialist says, yeah, you've got to work on these certain parts of your spine. Physical therapist mm-hmm. lays me down on a table and she goes, okay, I want you to put your hands on your transverse abdominal muscles. And I want you just simply to contract them. I couldn't get them to contract. And I was oh. like, what? She was just doing abdominal press. I could barely do any abdominal press. I just looked at her and I had tears in my eyes and she goes, what's wrong? And I go, I used to be an Ironman athlete. I've like been to Hawaii Ironman and I, I can't even contract my, and then she goes, well, what happened? And I told her, well, I was just crazy triathlete. And then, uh, and then I had spiritual waking. And then I, and then I started sitting to write my book. I sat to meditate and I sat driving around in my van and I sat reading scriptures and she looked at me and she goes, that's nice. Well, it's time to move. And I will turn and go, I'll be up on the name of my book is stillness and wilderness. And she goes, I don't care what the hell your book is. It's time to start moving again. It was really funny. So coming to stillness is really important for spiritual practices, but yes, when you're not sitting and meditating and reading and it's time to move. And we all sit at our computers way too much. Right. So out of that, of the modern technology. Yeah. So, yeah, that's for sure. You know, it is, there is a lot of, and I mean, we're all guilty of it. You know, I definitely spend too much time on my cheeks, um, not the ones on my face, but, um, <laughs> 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 um and I, 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 I move, I bought one of those yoga chair balls, you know, that you sit in and because I've had diastasis recti. So, um, I've got horrible core and, um, it's, you know, I'm trying to use it more so I can be more aware and conscious of my center. And, um, even when I'm cleaning the house or picking things up to be aware of your core, because mm-hmm. when I realize that I have, I get a lot of lower back spasms sometimes, but, um, that it's all connected. You know, your core is such a huge part of a lot of your back. Every time I even vacuum, I'm, contracting like my core in a different way than just letting it all, you know, flail all over the place. So, mm-hmm. um, I think when you become aware of what it is that your body, um, can do, you can control, but, um, to be aware that, you know, that then you can fix it. But until you become aware of that, you're just going to expect it to just be like, Oh, maybe I can just go get a massage or maybe I can just go see the chiropractor. And, and while they can help you, they're not going to fix you. They're not band-aids, you know, they're not, they're not nothing. I don't think is permanent where you can actually fix. You have to continue. It's a continuous practice, just like with anything, you know, everything is a continuation and you have to practice just as if you have to take care of your body. You have to take care of your body. Nobody else is responsible to take care of your health. You are responsible to take care of your health. So and this is something that I have just literally learned in the past couple of years. So I am very passionate about letting people know that they can do it, but they have to, they have to be aware, you know, and they have to want it. Cause you can't, like you said, if you, if somebody's not ready to make that change and to, to do that, you know, sometimes you can, you know, just poke them just a little bit, be like, Hey, you're so close. You got this. You can do this. I know you can do this, mm-hmm. but, um, if they're not ready, if they're just mm-hmm. not ready, you can't push them, mm-hmm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. I do remember a colleague, um, when I was working at the state health department in Arizona, I used to see that he always had pop cans. Like he had, a, it was really hilarious. Whenever he had an empty pop can, he'd put it on his desk. And then he had, you know, one of these wraparound desks and he had like columns of it. And then eventually <laughs> I noticed that he wasn't adding anymore. And eventually they were being removed and he started transforming, you know, physically. And I, I popped in and I'm like, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, just, and he told me a story and he's like, oh man, my doctor. And I go, what? He's like, he came in one day and he goes, this is what more doctors need to do with their patients. I swear. He goes, you keep on the same track you're going right now in three years, you're going to have a massive heart attack and die. You hear me? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> the patient was this friend of mine. Was wow. and I went, Whoa. And he's like, he's like, you don't exercise, you smoke, you drink pop, you push yourself at work. And, and he hadn't had like gentle conversations. He just decided to just do one whammo. And that man realized, cause he was married and had a couple of children. He was like, oh, okay, doc, what do I need to do? And so he, he had a harsh conversation, but he had it inside of him to start changing. So um, I think there sometimes need to be kind of a come to Jesus conversation between doctors and their patients. And it needs to be, it, that's just tough yeah. love, you know, having those conversations. Yeah. And I do think physicians need to do that more. I definitely had that, that physical therapist. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I don't care what the title of your book is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and it's just like, you know, people have this midlife crisis because it takes them to midlife to realize, oh shit, I ain't getting any younger. I'm getting older every birthday. And if I don't do something, I'm going to end up with heart disease or I'm going to have a stroke at, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you do need to be aware that what you're doing today is going to affect your tomorrow. It's, that's just how life works. Um, but you have to take, you have to take care of your body and you got to take care of your body today and your mind, because your mind is ultimately what takes care of your body. So Mm-hmm. You got to sure. do the practices for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, can we just go back real quick? You were mentioning about with the whole Ayurveda practice and the different doshas. Is there, how does one find out which one they are mm-hmm. or is that something they they do? Yeah. So there's, there's uh, questionnaires and assessments you can take online and I'm, um, okay. developing one that's, uh, going to be part of my program for people who are becoming holistically health coached by me. Um, and so, yeah, it's a series of questions. I remember taking one for the first time. Um, I don't know if I should say any specific company name. Um, but there's, you can just basically look online and if you want to reach out to me, you can just basically look Ayurveda quiz, Ayurveda okay. quiz assessment, and you can take it online. You usually, when you sign up for those, they end up asking you for your email and then you're, they're selling you products, um, that can support you. And a lot of those products are great, you, you know, but if, uh, if you don't want to do that and you just like to work with a, with an Ayurveda practitioner, you can look in the phone book and just look up Ayurveda practitioner and see, um, who is in your area, or you can reach out to me if you'd like. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's, that's good to know. No one, I, I do want to say something else about that. So I actually Absolutely. mentioned in the back of my book. So at the, my book ends with um, about seven pages of resources for someone who might be having a dramatic, dramatic spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And there's a section on a uh, subsection in there about grounding. And I mentioned going to see an Ayurveda practitioner and I can't remember the name of, but there's basically an international association of those people who are certified and knowledgeable enough in Ayurveda. So you definitely want to take a look at the back of my book if you have time and I'm happy to 
uh, offer free audible copies of that. And, um, the e-print book is very short and my story is really crazy and I don't really go over it in this, in this interview. Uh, um, but the main point really is the, is this, and the list of resources in the back, each book and webpage it's listed is profound. It like opens you up to an entire larger world of resources, um, for you. It's very dense. <laughs> um, okay. and I'm actually thinking about expanding that to a much larger book in the future, instead of my crazy story that led me to all that wisdom. But, um, that's just okay. something I wanted to mention in terms of make sure you're going to be working with someone who is actually properly trained in Ayurveda. That's good to point out. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So tell the audience um, a little bit more about your book, Stillness and Wilderness, A Bold Ride from Despair to Deep Wisdom and Love. The transformation actually probably started in 2018. <clears throat> it was hard to like pinpoint exact moment <laughs> um, because it was, but the most dramatic part starts where uh, my partner has left me and then you see me spin into clinical depression. And I think my transformation actually started a little bit before that because some experiences I had while camping alone by myself in the desert, but, um, yeah, so 2019 and then, but I published it last year and I've, I've had more transformation since then, but, um, and have been led to more and more wisdom. That's one reason why I'm thinking about expanding the, the list of resources in the back to a separate book. And I think, when you had said about just, just a little bit ago about your transformation, I think as a person, as you go through these different stages in life, when you do realize that you've got this sort of new outlook on life and this new awakening, you're forever growing and transforming, you know, and reaching different levels to your personal growth. Um, and you're always healing, you know, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in your soul. And I think that you have to continue to be aware of your surroundings as well. If you're always going to be around negative people and negativity, that's not going to be doing anything good for you. The last podcast I had just um, released last week, I talked about, you know, sometimes you do house cleaning and sometimes you need to do a life cleaning because um, when you're growing and certain people around you are not, or they're affecting you more than you wish that they were, you don't realize how much that can affect you mentally. And then we all internalize it and it causes stress and it'll cause, you know, a host of different health problems. So I think we need to be aware of our surroundings and our environment and to get rid of what isn't serving you anymore to be able to grow the way that you want to grow. I kind of just went down that rabbit no, hole. No, it's not again, a rabbit hole at so, all. Yeah. It's, it's definitely um, choosing where you live. Um, is it a positive influence on your your choices? The people you're with are the most profound. Um, yeah. Are they, and I was just looking at my list. So when I was going through something very dark yet again, after the end of my book, <laughs> <laughs> I made a list of things, daily practices that was, um, and one of them was be around spiritual company but with healthy boundaries. So even though you may have healthy people that are you're letting into your life also have healthy boundaries to keep all those relationships healthy. So I do believe that your point about, about environment, who you're around is profound. And, um, I actually help my clients are going through, I'm a spiritual emergence coach, that aspect of my coaching. I talk to, I ask them about who they're with and their relationships and help them navigate that. Cause it's, it's hard when you have a spiritual awakening and those of you, those that you're used to being around are, have not had one. Right. Mm-hmm. That's huge. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, anyone wants a free copy of my uh, audible copy of my book to go to my webpage, which is Elizabeth with an S instead of a Z. So it's Elizabeth lava, Elisa. <laughs> like comes out of volcano.com. <laughs> and you can just send me an email. I, I, my phone number is on there too. So if you'd rather not, and I, I don't put people, in fact, everyone that's signed up for my newsletter, I'm not going to put you on my newsletter and bomb your in, in, inbox. Um, and then I'm on May 21st, and I'm going to be offering again later this year as well. I'm doing a free webinar. We'll really dive deep into uh, different types of spiritual awakenings and the resources that are available. I will go through the list in the back of my book, um, take Q&As on that. Um, and there, of course, there'll be a guided meditation at the beginning and the end. And then if you're interested Great. in meditation, um, I will be t- putting on a free webinar later this year. I don't have the date set yet. Um, but it will have a gentle yoga practice at the beginning. And then, and the whole point of the physical yoga practice that I teach is to make sure your body is ready to sit still, um, mm-hmm. so that you can then meditate deeply because you don't, you know, aches okay. and pains here and there, tightness there. So if yes. you have any interest in those, just, uh, reach out to me through my webpage and I uh, would love to meet you. I will make sure to put all of your links in the show notes as well. And as well as the um, trailer to your book on YouTube and um, anything else that, so I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. And you have have been through quite the journey and thank you for sharing that. It's um, it was very nice to, to get to talk to you about that. So thank you for sharing that with me and all of us as well. Hi friends, let me take a quick minute and thank our very first show sponsor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. It's so easy, even I can do it. Trust me, that means you can do it too. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you all for being here. I am so glad we found each other. See you next time. Have an incredible day, my beautiful friends.